1: download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator
2: welcome to webcology webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies.
3: Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology on WMR.fm. This is the 26th of May, 2022. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and uh, Christine Chackinger from Sites Without Walls, who's sitting in for Dave Davies from uh, Weights and Biases, who is on the SEO Getaway Networking Unvacation Vacation down in somewhere down there in Mexico, Mexico. Hey, Christine, how you doing?
4: Hey, I'm good. How are you doing?
3: Pretty good. Um little bit little bit sad that I'm also not down on the SEO on vacation getaway uh vacation uh networking gig that uh Dave and Mary organized down in Mexico, but that's all good. <laughs> <laughs> uh we get to carry on the show. Um it's been a hard week. Um just after uh I think it was last Friday. Um Bill Slosky passed away. Um, to be honest, actually, I'm not sure what date it was. I'm not even sure what day I learned he passed away, but I've been really, really, really upset ever since. And now it seems like forever ago.
4: Yeah. It's a really just sad thing and completely unexpected.
3: Uh, well, remember... He was 61. I don't know if it's completely unexpected though. He'd had, um, he'd already had a major stroke and, uh, you know, wasn't in the best of health.
4: That's true. I guess I just mean unexpected as in he wasn't in, um, and no one knew about an illness that he had or anything like that. So, yeah.
3: yeah. So um, I mean, I just I got
4: prepared for it.
3: I was, um, distraught and destroyed and, uh, really, really sad. Bill was a friend, an old, old friend from the, you know, we all came up together in the industry. Eh? Um, and, uh, you know, I sat in many, many, many late night rooms or many dinners with Bill. I think I sat on a couple of like panels with Bill over time. Um, and <laughs> 90% of what I know about Google, I learned from Bill, Bill Slosky.
4: Yeah, it's really, I mean, he's definitely one of the originals, right? Yeah. of In the industry, so many people with them. Uh, remember them from uh, Kim's site and I never know how to say it I think create a site create, create a site thank you I yeah, like the they, url
3: <laughs> yeah she so. used the uh eight in place of the a uh, a t e but create a site
4: yeah create a site and and the early days of that and then of course Bill's patent work and you know he's just been a a,
3: a part just, yeah like a foundational a,
4: a pillar part. yeah that's the word I was looking for a pillar of the you know the SEO community since almost since it started.
3: Yeah, so, it's
4: a huge loss for people personally and professionally.
3: Um, I've long I long called Bill the dean of SEO because um, if there was a patent to be understood, he'd read it and uh, probably probably written about it. And I would suggest that through his reading and interpreting of patents, and we're talking like decades of doing this. This is, this goes back to the early 2Ks that 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 Bill was involved in the search industry and, and learning through patents. Um, he likely understood Google as well or better as many people working at Google do. <laughs> um, Bill was Bill had graduated law school. He never be he never actually took the bar, but he his earliest career had him working, um, in, in the Delaware district court. And that's where he learned to read the legalese, which, um, gave him the unique ability to read and almost instantly understand the language of patents.
4: Exactly. Yeah. And it was very helpful to have someone who could do that and do it well.
3: Yeah. And and then um, of
4: course, go ahead. Oh no, please, please. No, I was going to say something off that topic. So,
3: um, Again, through through reading and interpreting those patents, Bill shared that information in uh, countless articles. Um, there there are uh, a few people who are actually working on getting his his archives together, and those archives are going to be made available to the uh, SEO community as a permanent knowledge base. Um, both blog posts from SEO by the Sea and articles he had written um, in in any of the trade the trade publications. I think there's a few interviews from uh, Webmaster Radio and, and certainly some from webcology that uh, that I hope become part of that knowledge base. Um, but the, uh, the 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 incredible loss of um well, again probably one easily one of the um, most knowledgeable and uh, generous with information SEOs in the history of the industry.
4: Definitely. And I do know that on those efforts that you mentioned that the SEO by the sea has already been entered into the web archive by different people going in, sharing, making sure all the pages were indexed by them.
3: Okay, so... Um, so uh, uh, archive.org, uh, the the, the Wayback Machine. I said it feels like ages, eh? Yeah. Um, tomorrow, if uh, anyone in the know, um, there's a memorial for Bill Smolensky. Uh, May 27th, uh, 10 a.m. Pacific time. It's being hosted by uh, Jeff Ferguson at his um, UCLA uh, UCLA Zoom. Um, the Zoom room. I'm sorry for his UCLA courses, and uh, the address is posted all over Facebook. Um, it's in SEO groups. I think it's in uh, Webmaster World. Um, I'm going to put it up on my Facebook profile, and listeners who are able to find it um, are are, are going to be there. And. Um, I mean, you can't really read out a Zoom address on the, on the air and expect people <laughs> to, to take it down. But no, if, you, uh, no. if you know where to look, and you're part of the community. Um,
4: it's readily available.
3: It, it's, it's readily available. And it, it's an open invite. So yeah. rest in patents, Bill. And thank you for everything. Um, you literally, literally changed the way the web functions just, just, just by being you. And that's going to be so missed.
4: It is very much so. As you say, we'll also miss his pictures of flowers, which is one of Bill's favorite things.
3: After his stroke, he really got into that.
4: Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's, a, I mean, it's weird how, how life changes. So, I mean, it's fun, it's funny. I'm in that, 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 age group. And then I guess listeners are probably getting used to hearing me whine about being in that age group. That's got to worry about how life suddenly changes. And, uh. You know, to everybody who's in that age group, don't forget to smell the roses. And for everyone who's approaching that age group, don't forget to smell the roses. It all goes by <laughs> so quickly. and It you know, is amazing. The
4: other, the other thing too is this industry is one of the rare ones where you literally know each other for most of your adult life if you've been in it a long time. Well so it's uh it's it's more than just a loss of a colleague for most, it's a loss of a friend.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Abso- abso- absolutely absolutely. Okay, so, um, as with all passings, um, everything else moves on and moves forward, and uh, we're in the middle of a broad core update, and it would have been really cool to have um, somebody around to read the tea leaves and tell us what was going on, but we're just going to have to figure it out for ourselves moving forward. <laughs> there's, a, uh. there's a broad core update happening. Does this... When Google says there's a broad core update happening, or, or as we're calling them, the, the uh, May 2020 um, Danny Sullivan event. Um,
4: <laughs> we need to come up with better names. They won't they won't name them anymore. We really need better names. So we remember them. I was it's thinking the about Day update. this.
3: <laughs> the May update. Yeah, I, I was thinking about this today. You know what? It's okay naming the month year because there's so damn many of them. Uh, I know. You have to be, a, you have to be a, 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 an encyclopedia to remember them by... Uh, by incidental incidental name so i'm okay with May 2020 broad core update uh, no, i just like I calling i just them. like calling them danny sullivan because i think about <laughs> <them.
4: laughs> well you know i do miss the real names though because i can say oh i know penguin and i know it rolled out these dates and i know when it ended because i know penguin and i know panda and i know when it rolled out and no, uh, but because we just keep calling them updates i have to always go back and look which update it was that happened in the month that i'm remembering that is I remember true. May, instead of like core update, blah, 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 you know, with some funky name of a programmer that we never heard of or something, right? Like Panda. So um, I do think that actually it's not, it's not really helpful to not have a, a name that's descriptive of these and just to do the months because there's so many. Yeah.
3: Well, this one is out. And um, as always, it's really hard to tell exactly what Google is shooting at or targeting or trying to change, but we do know that recently um, rich results have changed with uh, different kinds of content, FAQ, for instance, um, seeming to surface higher and higher. Um, But, you know, you shouldn't put one with the other exactly, you know, but whenever core updates happen, SEOs try to draw clues from what's happening around them.
4: Yeah, but they shouldn't. I recover these sites. If a a client listens, they have a hundred percent success rate on recovering a hundred percent of their traffic. Mm -hmm. And it's because the core updates are based on the core ranking signals. And so you have to figure out what they hit and how they hit it, but it's not that it's impossible to fix. Somebody did go up and you went down and it's not all these out, you know, theories out of the mainstream, you know, it has nothing to do with EAT, which isn't a ranking signal. Nine times out of 10, they're technical. And they're technical issues that have been sitting on the site for a very long time, not bothering the site, which should have been. And suddenly now they affect the site. And my theory is they were less stringent on technical issues on your money, or your life queries for a very long time and decided to start getting stricter on them. So, but um, generally, uh, I have an article about this last year, but basically... If you go to your queries and you find out where you dropped, because usually it's across a few queries, because uh, it's at the query level is how it's applied, you can generally determine where on the site you were hit, and then from there you can run audits and see what issues that those pages seem to have.
3: My general theory on core updates and, and broad core updates, um, which, which 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 tend to be um, ones that 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 are like you know about the ranking process. Um, Google has telegraphed what they want long ago. And if they're making an update, they're very likely trying to refine part of the algorithm that is trying to surface content that best matches a user's query based on Google's impression of that user's wants and needs and the um, technical slash language stuff that Google's been telling us for the longest time. Write yeah, clear well, content. To... Make it on a, yeah. on a on a straight up website.
0: Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering
3: digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy to use site management tools and powerful do it your way development features. WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com.
2: For maximum customer engagement and retention, choose CleverTap. CleverTap is a leading customer engagement and retention platform that helps digital brands maximize lifetime value. Over 8,000 apps around the world, including Vodafone, Star, and Sony. Trust CleverTap to improve user engagement, boost retention, and fuel long term revenue growth. Learn more at clevertap.com. That's clevertap.com. Miami is more than beaches, palm trees, and fun in the sun. It's home every year to the Miami Book Fair, celebrating its 39th year of hosting authors and readers from around the world, November 13th through the 20th. Join us in downtown Miami at the Wolfson campus of Miami-Dade College connect with over 500 authors reading from their books in english spanish french and creole answering questions and signing hard copies the 2022 edition of the miami book fair welcomes everyone of all ages to come together meet and make new friends exchange ideas and discover one's next favorite author Let's explore, discover, and learn together. Featured authors will include award winning novelists Anthony Horowitz, Ben Mesrich, Craig Johnson, Danny Shapiro, Elena Shapiro, Jimmy Attenberg, poet Sandra Cisneros and authors writing about the trending topics of the day. Lisa Genova, Jerry Stahl, Marie Brenner, Mark Kurlansky, Samantha Cole, Stacy Schiff, Katie Tour, and many others. For more information, please visit miamibookfair.com. Follow the fair at Miami Book Fair and join the conversation hashtag Miami Book fair 2022.
4: that's why they're called core updates, right? So people get all imaginative about what that means, but they're core updates for a reason. They're core ranking signals that they're tweaking to try to better surface, not just uh, intent matching sites, but better quality sites. Sites that are likely to present more accurate information because they're higher quality. Um, The whole concept of and the quality raters guide was to for quality raters to give them the idea of a concept of what a site should try to be. Mm -hmm. Not that those were ranking signals. So um, it's just core core signals, you know, like you just said, you know, content quality, site structure, technical. um, How are you using your, you know, titles and descriptions, H1s, things like that, internal linking structures,
3: all of those. Which is all stuff Google telegraphs to us over and over and over again.
4: Yeah, but they call it broad core updates. So people get really imaginative of what it means. But it just means your basic ranking signals and then tweaked them. And so if you know they're applied at the query level, which we do. And you do a search, like in Google Search Console, and see what queries and pages were most affected. Like in one site I was looking at, they had two folders on the entire site were what were affected. Those two folders had a lot of their content, but just the two folders. And then we found there were two major technical issues on those two folders. They fixed, I mean, the pages in those folders. They fixed those two issues and everything came back up. Um, unfortunately, another thing that used to work really, really well, I don't know as a part of the core updates anymore, is uh, was page feed. So I had clients that solely recovered on page speed fixes. But CWs are a different animal, and I don't know that they're still using page speed of any kind in the core updates. I don't see that they are so far. But that being said, you can take those query analysis along with what pages dropped, and then you can take a, you know, site tool, crawler, go over those, see if you have that issue. And if you don't have a technical issue, look for query shifting issues. So query shifting issues is What we're, when you're talking about intent. So Google will decide that the intent of your page is not the same query that you were ranking for, and they will shift you to a different query. So the biggest example I saw of this was there was somebody who was ranking for nightshade vegetables, which brought in 80,000 visits a month. Google shifted them to nightshade vegetables list for that page. Uh, that brought in 8,000 a month. So there was this massive drop, but it was related to one page on three root queries. When I say root queries, I'm saying like nightshade vegetable, the S anything after that is the additional part of the query. Um, And so they just had to write a new hub page content for nightshade vegetables to regain that intent match. But generally those are the two areas I've seen it, mostly tech technical issues, but that includes site structure linking you know, everything, internal linking, all that. Um, and then also on, um, on the query shift, where they decide your intent was something other than you were ranking for before. And usually they make it a longer query, which means you get less. Now a,
3: a, a cool note about, 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 both things that you pointed at, there is the diagnosis is um, relatively simple. And aside from, from, um, crawling the pages that you that you discover the problem is on, you can do both through um through uh, Google Search Console.
4: Right. Yes, definitely.
3: So, um, I think we should do a show sometime in the future on SEO tools, um, free and paid, and the uh, uses of both. Um, when it's uh, really important to use um, page tools to delve deeper and deeper and deeper into really basic stuff that is like widely available and obvious if you know how to use search console or Google analytics.
4: Well, yeah. And I, I primarily for my auditing, unless we're doing query audit, that's a di- different thing. Um, I just use site bulb screaming frog search console and Google analytics. Cause between those tools and the APIs involved, I can get to almost any issue on the site. That's relevant because they they even do like you know duplicate content checks and and all that kind of thing. So there's most of what I can discover. I just do it through there, and I like to use GSC data because it's real data. Any any tool you use that's not using the GSC API has panels and other ways it gets that data, but the GSC data is the actual data of people looking for your pages on your site.
3: Not only is it is it actual um, data that pretty much comes straight unfiltered as much as possible from Google. it's also the data that your clients are probably looking at. Just exactly. be helpful when you when you when you have to explain <laughs> why your data set and their data set don't match.
4: <laughs> <laughs> very true, and also um, it's nice because you know all those the, the Screaming Frog and Sitebulb are very inexpensive tools, and GSC, of course and GA are free, unless my client's paying for the hundred thousand dollar version, but I don't have to do that. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> so, uh, so you can find most anything there. If you're doing a query audit, that's a little different. You're going to need more research. But even I know people that do query audits just have a paid Google Ads account. And then they use GSC data. If you use GSC APIs outside of GSC itself, you can get a lot more data. So I can go back and site bulb and screaming frog, I can go back 16 months on what queries people are using to find a site, which is almost like having the keyword tool the keyword field back, which if anybody was around prior to like I think 2013, was it
3: or 14, Actually, you know what, Christine, to be honest what we have now is infinitely cooler than the old keyword tool.
4: Yeah, but just like, not honestly, easy I'm, to I'm, access. <laughs> not
3: at all. No, but, I, but I'm extracting way more data. Yeah. Um from what Google Search Console and like you said like and and, and using APIs, using Sitebulb and you know we um I'm I'm getting much more data today than I was back in say 2013 or even 2003.
4: Yeah, It's great. I mean, when I I don't do the career audits myself, I have somebody that you know that does them for me because he loves to do them and I find them a bit tedious at times. Uh,
3: and the audits, not Chris,
4: (laughs) yeah, no, not Chris. No, the audit going through 300,000 keywords for me is not nearly as exciting as it is for Chris. So I'm happy to send the work to him, uh, and do the rest of the audit, but you know, he uses the he uses the uh, GSC that I send them with all the you know, however long we set the date for and, and the Google Keyword Planner out of the AdWords and that gets him everything that he needs so uh, it's nice to have like keyword tracking tools things that you can see things like you can tell when you have a featured snippet or not because GSC doesn't tell you that specifically it's just like you have this number of pages that have these but um, you know there's so much that can be done on an inexpensive level uh, and using the just basic tools that are out there and another, just to throw this out there, it's just a sidebar, but uh, on G- uh, SiteBulver and Screaming Frog, you can do a visualization of how they crawled your site. And that can be hugely helpful to show a client, see all these red dots? This is where there was a redirect or a crawler couldn't go any further. <laughs> so we might want to fix some of that. So it's a very good visual on those, on those two programs.
3: Actually, I'm going to walk, I'm gonna have to walk through that with you sometime after the show, because I got this client who needs to see that. Um, Okay, moving forward, um, WordPress has a new uh, new release out.
4: Yeah, um, I'm still a few releases behind on the sites that I managed because I was told not to upgrade because it broke everything else outside of WordPress. Sorry, I lost my breath there a second. Um, so I guess we'll see. But uh, it just feels to me like WordPress is trying to do now what it had other people do for it for many years.
3: Well, yeah, they're they're trying to build into their platform what it used to take a lot of plugins to do. Um, they've um, and I, I think this is an, this is like a natural evolution for WordPress, especially after getting one of the top apps makers, you know, one, one, one of the top plugin guys, uh, Yoast Devolke, to, to work for them. <laughs> um, <laughs> But um, I, think, I think of the changes Google's got through, and, and what Google's asking um, webmasters to do just in like in the last couple of years. Eh? I mean, we have to make our sites faster. We have to make our sites um, stay within certain parameters, so objects don't move around while loading. They have to um, be absolutely useful in the mobile universe, and even if it's a desktop. Um, focused B two B site is still going to be measured in the mobile universe, and there's just things upon thing upon thing upon thing that I think with some of the larger e com platforms, or I'm sorry, some of the larger e com sites um, that that haven't replatformed, um, hadn't uh, considered or or, or um, accounted for. So they're using they're using plugins to fill these gaps, and the um, Google's making these changes just as um, WordPress. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, WordPress is making these changes <laughs> in in, um, reaction to, uh, in reaction to in reaction to two changes Google are putting on it. So some of the changes that you're going to find in WordPress 6.0, which um is cut the uh, don't let engineers name things, which is named Arturo. Right.
4: Exactly. It is named after a uh, Afro jazz musician.
3: Well, that's nice.
4: Yeah, it's just they should probably explain that a little bit more up front.
3: Um, okay, so what you're going to get if you uh, load Arturo, um, a lot of updates and enhancements. It's going to be faster and apparently more intuitive. Um so Gutenberg is over there somewhere. That's the uh, WordPress five-point universe. This is 6.0. Um, you're going to get faster website performance, page creation patterns, block loading, or oh, sorry, block locking, stack and row variations, global style variations, and ability to select text across multiple blocks. Um, to be honest, I haven't done enough research to know exactly what all of that I, means. I do. I do know what it But Christine means. does. I can tell you. <laughs> um,
4: so uh, the across the, the multiple blocks means if you have a... When you do a site in WordPress, you'll have a block where you put your text, and then you'll put, like, maybe another block with text. You'll actually be able to take copy text from one block and another and then paste it into a new block. So... And blocks are just, like... They represent divs if you code. Um, so they have made... I'm trying to find the, there it is. I was trying to find the article on it to to, to remember the names of the others. Uh, and then they're going to do dynamic flex based containers, which is so columns can, it, items can stack as a row or into a column. But again, all this stuff has been available in, in themes for a very long time. So it does feel like they're, they're catching up. Now that's fine. You know, the page creation patterns are where they're going to have pre-page um, layouts pre-done. That, but the theme developers are going to have to offer these. They're not going to come straight through WordPress. So, you know, if you want to do a page, that has a lead form on it. You know, here, here's a bunch of pages that have a pre-design, a pre-pattern, page creation pattern with a lead form on it. So that's what they're talking about with that. So these are welcome. Unfortunately for me, I find the, Word, the WordPress native editor to just be so unintuitive and clunky that I still pay to do an editor on top of it. So um, we'll see how this one, how this one works. Uh, Some people like it. Most people did not like Gutenberg. So
3: I was about to say the last major change WordPress made was from the WordPress that I think a lot of old hands might remember um, to the Gutenberg environment, which is, God, was it like two years old now or so?
4: Well, it feels like it might be older because the pandemic messes my time frame. So I can, that is you know? <laughs> true. Yeah. Maybe it's maybe
3: it's maybe it's more like three to four years old. Um and that was the last major um interface change made at uh made by WordPress. But when they introduced Gutenberg, like you said, lots of stuff broke. Um yeah. oh, plugins out- didn't keep up with the new platform.
4: It didn't. And 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 the last upgrade, not the not the original Gutenberg, which by the way was 2018. I just looked it up. Huh. Uh, yeah, no, pandemic messages is my time. I'm like, I did that last year. Oh, wait, no, I was locked down for two
3: years.
4: <laughs> that was three years ago.
3: <laughs> I, I blame age, too. I mean, ex- ev- everything was seven years ago, really.
4: Yeah, but there's actually science behind pandemic brain and how it changed people's perceptions of time. It's interesting articles on that. Undoubtedly. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so the last version, I put it out there, should I? It wasn't the last. There's been iterations, but I think my sites are stuck at five Eight or something. And I asked, should I update? And I got a resounding no, don't. (laughs) It'll break everything. So I haven't. So far, what I'm seeing from uh, this rollout is I'm seeing a couple people that said they have some serious issues, but most people are saying they haven't had a problem. So I seriously suggest that you do it on a staging site or make a copy of your WordPress site and do it on there before you upgrade a live site where you're sitting there trying to figure out how to fix everything on the fly because in panic mode. Um,
3: that would be wise. This is a uh, this again. This isn't this isn't a uh, mere iteration of version update. This is a full version update. So, um,
4: except they're not calling it a version update. So uh,
3: like, they gone from five point <laughs> to six point. That's
4: like- <laughs> I know, but they're saying it's not a full version change. Which they have a thousand changes, so it seems to be. And I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying what they're calling it. So it's like an iteration as opposed to full version versioning.
3: It's so. such a big iteration. We're giving it a whole new version number, but don't <laughs> pay attention to the new version number.
4: <laughs> and a new and a new name. But
3: <laughs> a really bad one at that.
4: Yeah, it's not it doesn't work. Really Although I do I do appreciate that they're trying to
3: Oh I appreciate the intent. Sure.
4: Grammy winning Afro uh Latin artist, but
3: I guess it's better than naming it Danny Sullivan.
4: <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm just gonna okay. move on to the next topic. <laughs> <laughs> we ought to do
3: that. But again, check your plugins. Um if you are doing the update, like like Christine said, do it on a staging server. Um before you do, honest to goodness, go to the help section of each of the plugins, make sure that they're prepared. Um, well, the before you make the if jump.
4: If you go I'm sorry, not jump. If you go through Christine. If you, if you go through WordPress and the plugin, uh where are the plugins that you can upload? Look for your plugin right there. It'll tell you when they last updated it, and if it's with different yeah. version. So it's a lot easier to way to like quickly look up all your plugins.
3: Okay, so what do you do if uh, your kid turns into an addict? <laughs> I mean, you could go all like you know Leslie Nielsen and um, arm up and kill every drug dealer in town, but that doesn't really work under law. Um especially if the addiction is to social media. So if you're in the fine state of California, you do what um you do what comes natural to persons. You sue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the story I mean, is writing itself. Eh? This is amazing.
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm usually on board with a lot of these lawsuits. This one not as much, but you know, some of the statistics are terrifying. 32% of kids aged seven to nine were active on social media apps. Okay. 32% of kids on seven to nine, they shouldn't be on social media at seven years old.
3: Not do you allow,
4: technically? They're supposed to be 13 on all the
3: apps. So 75% of people ages 13 to 17 have at least one active social media profile. And uh, 51% of them are using like sites like Instagram, TikTok or Facebook on a daily basis. And... Is- um, I don't know about you, but every once in a while, I need to take a break from from the social media world because it's freaking toxic.
4: Yeah, I take break. Well, a lot of my stuff is outside of what we do for a living, so I, I have to take breaks from that periodically. On the weekends, I often take breaks, and also, you know, while I'm working, I'm not. I'm taking breaks and get on it, but I'm not on it all the time. But I would say that I do have a little problem with this law, though, because when not as much earlier, a long time ago. But when my nephew, I was helping to raise him when he was a youngster, and he got his, you know, first gaming handheld device, um, I had to take it from him. He was playing it like 10 hours a day. So I took it from him, and we locked it up, and he got mad, and he yelled, and he hated me, and he told me all the worst words in the world, right? But he didn't get it back, and he got two hours a day on it. And because he'd become addicted to it. And this is years ago before even social media, right? Computer addiction has been a problem for kids for a very long time. Gaming addiction, not just social.
0: You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok shop. And even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand. And even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech.
2: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.
4: Your kid's not paying for their phone or the computer or the internet that provides it. And they're not perfect, but you definitely get parental apps that limit their time on apps that shut down things. It's just, it's hard because so, your are going to get mad at you and yell at you and hate you for it.
3: You're suggesting there are other means beyond lawsuit that parents can take to protect their children from addiction.
4: I am saying that there are very good tools that prevent your children from being addicted unless you're not monitoring what they're doing. Well, and I'm I, not I, I'm not big on like, you know, I think the state definitely needs to regulate and how social media works and operates. There are things in there definitely needs to look at, especially like targeting psychological, um, psychologically targeting children, you know, and to get on their apps and stuff. But the, the, the time, the monitoring time and stuff, their apps parents could use that are very effective. Plus, you can just cut off their phone or their access.
3: You know, I'm I, I'm honestly not sure how people like Mark Zuckerberg or um, the folks who own uh, 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 Twitter at, at the moment um, might actually relate to money, but um, the law is written um, says that that that, that, that uh, social media platforms with at least a hundred million dollars in revenue in the last year, which I think means most of them um, will be will be liable. To uh, $25,000 um, per violation suits, um, if, uh, a child if a child uh, displays a preoccupation or obsession with or withdrawal or difficulty to cease or reduce use of a social media platform, despite the user's desire to cease or reduce that use which causes or contributes to physical, mental, emotional, developmental, developmental or material harms to the user. This is, this is a bill co-authored by um, by, Republic, by Republicans. Um, Jordan Cunningham of uh, San Luis uh, Abiso County um, suggests that the era of unfettered social experimentation on children is over and we will protect kids.
4: Yeah, they like that protect kids. They really
3: right? do. I know. And I, I, I like really saying that do. in evil voice, too. But, I, I,
4: I um, live in the city of gambling, right? Gaming. And there are addicts in gaming. And in the state, the casinos have to do things like monitor um, if something, because they monitor all the gaming, right? Because gamblers use their cards and stuff mm. to game with. Um, the special cards attract the spend so they can get the perks. Um they have to monitor those people and they have to offer them programs and some even get cut off uh, if they seem to have a gaming issue. And everywhere you go on the strip, you'll see signs about if you have a gaming problem here, you know, call, uh, gambling problem, call this number. And they have to offer money for social programs and stuff like well, you
3: that. Sh- sh- Christine, I was but a teenage did- smoker, a terrible teenage smoker, and all the warnings on cigarette packs you could put there was not going to stop me from chasing after my... Oh Nikita gosh, no, addiction. no,
4: no. No, but what I'm saying is trying to... Decide what child is suddenly addicted is kind of impossible. And yes, they do use uh, certain types of targeting to try to get children to do more online or people us in general reward centers in our brains and all that. Uh, but at the same time, I still think this is I, I'm about a, I'm a process person. Who's better going to affect children being addicted to social media? Parents who can literally stop them from having access with tools or by cutting off accounts or Wi-Fi or whatever, or a social media company with hundreds of millions (laughs) of users trying to decide if a child has an addiction. First of all, the child's not even supposed to be on the platform.
3: I'm I'm really curious how this plays in court in the first place. I just find it totally amusing because it's dumb.
4: Exactly. This is another one of those, we know nothing about how the web works, but we're going to make laws on how to
3: control it. Okay, so while we while we may might make fun of uh, uh, the, the the bills authors, um, which we probably shouldn't, because they have good intent, I would think. Um, I don't think that they're just beating up on social media companies for the sake of going after quote unquote no, big tech. There's real
4: but, issues, real issues.
3: Yeah, I was about to say they do they do raise to goodness yeah. issues. Um, yeah,
4: this is the, the way to solve it.
3: <laughs> the uh, The nature of social media is one that makes people angry or feel um, diminished, um, because that makes us click more. Um, And that I I, I know what it does to me as a fifty-three-year-old adult who's pretty self-actualized and has a, a you know pretty good handle on what is real and what is web. I don't know what it does to a 16-year-old just trying to figure out where, who, and what they are.
4: Oh, horrible. I remember the first time I dated someone and social media was a thing, right? Like, you know, they checked in somewhere. They They didn't tell me they're going out. Like, oh, why is that photo? Like, what? it's crazy, right? But, but you need to attack it at the company level. Um, you know, the, the, the goal of the bill is, Is not a bad intent, but the idea that you're somehow going to be able to monitor if a child has suddenly become addicted, who's not even supposed to be on your platform in the first place, versus parents that, you know, have complete control over what their child accesses. It's sort of like, you know, your pet is 30 pounds, and that means it's 25 pounds overweight, but you keep eating it. At some point, you're responsible for the pet being fat. You know, if you're not not taking the hard lines with children on social media, then you're part of the issue as well. And I don't see how you can sue a company for your inability to to control your child's environment. That being said, there are horrible issues with social media. We know that it causes girls to have eating disorders. It causes uh, depression in teens. But that's a function of how the platform works and also how the platform targets, which is a different animal and a different legal issue.
3: Well, and, and indeed, and it's something that that needs to absolutely needs to be addressed um, somehow. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Um, I don't think this is a windfall for uh, social media, for parents of children with severe social media addiction. I don't think a $25,000 fine, for incident is going to really scare the tech giants very much. And I suggest it's going to cost a hell of a lot more than twenty five grand to to eke a settlement out of them.
4: Well, and you know what they really could do? They really could take have them take money and put it into mental health care for teenagers, because getting mental health care for a teenager in most states is very difficult. So, if you have a child that has an addiction problem, let say social media, getting them some sort of psych, you know counseling care, any of that sort of stuff is almost impossible. So, help fund that, you know, instead of this, which is not a, there's no way anyone can sue on it, anyways. Imagine some mom in there like trying to sue. Facebook with their lawyers on their child being addicted? Well,
2: indeed. Media. I mean, where's that going <laughs> to go, right? I've done my research, and I'm
4: telling you. <laughs> the first argument's going to be, why didn't you take your kid's phone away? What did oh. my research
3: on Facebook? It was, it's, it's bad to take the kid's phone away.
4: <laughs> exactly.
3: Okay, so. <laughs> um, silly
4: people.
3: For years, okay, time to jump. <laughs> silly, indeed, silly people. But they're silly people trying to solve Social sure. issues, real social yeah. issues. There's um, a big elephant in the room. We're just not touching today. So um, there's a part of the, 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 the for what, seven years or so, the SEO world was all about links. Uh, that ended somewhere around 2015 or so with the... Uh, 16. 16, okay. With the, I just um, remember
4: because we had a client who had good. the last rollout.
3: You just looked it up when we were looking up our no, updates no. and algorithms and stuff.
4: We had a crazy <laughs> client who was like massively suppressed by Penguin, and we we're so glad it was going away.
3: 2016, Google introduces Penguin and completely changes the game, except for a bunch of SEOs who didn't get the memo. <laughs> to this yeah, just- day. To this day, you hear talk about, like, removing links and um, chasing after bad links and being concerned about bad links and all. And it just so doesn't matter.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I disagree. This is one of those, in my opinion, where Google likes to pretend it doesn't happen because they don't want people to think they can abuse it. Okay. Because I had a site that had 13 million Russian form spam links, and they had managed to do a man-in-the-middle attack on the site. At the same time, and so the site was ranking its number four keyword with the porn site. And that yeah, but I,
3: can, I can see Google having issues with a site that got maliciously attacked.
4: Oh, no, 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 it didn't. Well, my point was Google didn't have any issue. a porn site they didn't care, but they counted all the links because otherwise it wouldn't have been the number four key term on a billion-dollar e-commerce site, right? So they counted those links coming to the site because they managed to find a, a problem in the search box. Where if you search for something, it created a page with all your words. And then it created put those words in the URL and in the, in the title and description and the H1.
3: And then the so porn Google bots s- got to it.
4: No, and no, no, that porn people did that intentionally. And then Google saw links coming into a page that had mention of the porn stuff. And so it was relevant. It was a relevant link. So they let them, you know, those links stand. Those links, I had to disavow all of them, 13 million of them. That was fun.
3: Did your client lose ranking because of it?
4: Uh, no. <clears throat> when we got rid of them,
3: no, yeah, no, no they but had, be- because they were there in the first place.
4: Well, they wouldn't have lost ranking for them being there because they matched something on the page.
3: Oh, gee, who's your? So,
4: client? yeah, like I said, <laughs> that was the thing. The search box let these for twenty years. The search box was open to create any page you wanted with any words on it you wanted. And and spammers had found it, but the worst one was the porn spam because they also did uh, hacked it and put a attack in the middle. So someone was got their it, it was able to give their page rank over to the porn site. What they did,
1: and oh, they yeah, did I that can...
4: by targeting the site with all their links, and then those links were transferred to the porn site to the attack. But the point being is, I also know other SEOs in our space who you know and respect, and I won't use names because I don't have permission to do that right here. But um, you know they have seen their sites negatively affected by um, negative uh, spam attacks, link attacks. So it's it's not that they do disavow a lot of them. I, I uh, Google does. Google takes away the value. I kind of wish they would let us know which ones, so you could explain to a client: see these links that you've got, they're really bad for you. That's why you paid all this money and you lost it because you know you're gonna have to buy. You know, not buy. You're gonna have to get more links again. <laughs> Sorry, buy was the wrong word. Um, But the point being is that they do work sometimes and they don't, Google does not uh, eliminate all value from all bad toxic links.
3: When, as I understand it, as in in, in my experience, if somebody goes out and like, you know, buys a bunch of links, which can be done for like five cents um, and then applies them against your website, you're going to get screwed. But if they're um, organic, quote unquote, organic links or, you know, just links that. There's no apparent pattern to them. They just link to your site. You're not going to get screwed for them.
4: No, no. But the only thing that can mess you over, though, is if you get a bunch of links to your site and you don't disavow them right away. Is that Google doesn't automatically go, oh, bad link unless it already knows. Um, we're going to take the value away. So your site might get a boost for a little while, and then go down. And like, why'd we go down? You went down because Google had come through with the Penguin algorithm, which comes through. Last time I heard, every three or four months I could change, but about. Three. And then it puts the value on your links. So the initial those initial links give you a boost, and then Google says no, these links don't count. And then if it's enough links, you could see a, a decrease.
3: What I was really getting at, though, is oh there sorry are still, about that. <laughs> no worries. Is that there are still companies to this day that um, achieve those those very quick, juicy, short-term rankings that might last a month or so, just long enough to get out of dodge. With with a person's check in your back pocket, and there are still yeah. companies that have you know wildly um, uh, what's the right word wildly uh, 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 large or um, active, but I'm pretty sure fairly um, ineffective um, link disavowal programs, <laughs> and they charge for it. they charge they charge very good money that should be focused uh, uh, on other efforts in the website.
4: Yes, exactly. But yeah, a lot of people worry. I see people in groups and stuff going, I found like I have, you know, 1% bad links or 5% bad links. Don't worry about it. Everyone has bad links, right? In fact, if you don't have any bad links that looks more suspicious than if you have some bad links, you only have to to, be concerned about it when it becomes like 30%, 40% of your link profile.
3: Yeah. I mean, if, if, if there's a pattern of picking up craptastic links or, um, as Christine's client um, eventually noted, if there's a pattern of picking up links, say from porn sites, um, <laughs> you might have a problem. <laughs> but yeah. for the most part, Google doesn't care about crappy links any longer. If the link is is relevant and useful, it'll count as a vote or a you know some sort of um, exchange of energy from one site to another. But otherwise, it's null and nothing. Um, In other words, spend your time looking for bigger problems.
4: Yes, generally, unless you have a very small site or news site or site with just not many links, links are not going to be your major issue as far as getting hit with negative ones. But there are negative SEO attacks still, and they do sometimes send a large number of bad links to your site. And when that happens, disavow them.
3: Here's a neat one. I, I kind of alluded to it to it earlier, and then then tried to jump back a little bit, um, suggesting we shouldn't equate the two with each other. <laughs> um, our friends over at Rank Ranger have discovered that uh, Google is showing and promoting FAQ rich results um, more frequently. It was one out of twenty times more frequently um, than, than it had previously. Um, Having tested and tested and then reconfirmed with other SEOs, the FAQ snippets appear to be very real and, um, again, being promoted more frequently. Um, Don't know if that's something anyone should take action on, but if you do have strong FAQ pages, it might be a very good time to revamp, slightly revamp and start promoting them.
4: Yes, very true. Um and they do this regularly though. FAQs seem to be like the really go-to thing and then they go away and then they come back and then they go away. So do FAQs and, and if on the times Google decides to reward it, they'll benefit. And when they don't, you know, just the team is still there.
3: So so what are they doing? Are they are they are they learning through FAQs or are they trying to perfect something that gives better answers?
4: They're trying they're testing, you know, because the FAQs show up in those drop downs below the URL. Um, so I think from what I've seen when people have done screenshots is they're ju- when they show them next to each other, they're just testing to see which works better. And the problem though, too, with an FAQ, though, is be careful how you word it. Because if you give the full answer that can be gotten from Google's page, you might see your actual clicks go down. Because FAQs benefit the user in a certain way, but not always your website.
3: You know, I've been thinking about this a lot. Um. Because this, this happens to, to one of my clients. They, 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 they often um, get used by Google to fill in the answer that everyone's actually mm-hmm. looking for, and they don't get credit for the answer, right? No, they
4: don't, yeah.
3: So how do, you, uh, how do you get your branded copy into that without totally screwing up what got you there in the first place? It's driving well, me nuts.
4: It depends on which one it is. We well, generally know how many characters are going to show in a block, right?
3: Yeah, but they're not going to pick you if you're screaming your name out loud.
4: No, but as I say, make sure it's something that people still click through to read the rest of it, mm. as opposed to giving the full answer in the beginning. Normally, when you know they write an answer on an FAQ, like the answer is almost in the first couple sentences, right? So check out your FAQs appear, and if you notice you gave away the whole goods without anyone having to buy the milk or the cow, then you probably want to you know reduce a little of the information in that snippet, that, um, and that uh, FAQ drop-down. And unfortunately, what really what this is about is the reason Google has these things, featured snippet and FAQs, is so users don't have to click through and go to a website. So great, but not good for you. So if you are being prominently featured on the number one position, the former zero position in a featured snippet or in these drop-downs, make it so people want to come to the site to read the rest.
3: Put a teaser in there basically, okay. Um, we can go to we have a little bit of time left. Um, <laughs> excuse me, um, you know what? We should probably update listeners who are you know sitting in, 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 in on, on the edge of their seats in bated breath, wondering what the, the newest reportage from the soap opera that is Elon, Elon
0: Musk's
3: <laughs> bid to take over Twitter is. He you just before going to air you shot me a message saying Elon has upped his bid like yeah. what it wasn't just last week wasn't he trying to down his bid
4: well yeah okay so he's he's trying to get twitter for cheaper which he's not going to be able to do uh, He there's from everything i've read from all the legal experts and analysts and twitter themselves they're going to be held to the $58 share price
3: okay so what's the biggest bid for then
4: so the problem is, is antics on on Twitter have been devaluing Tesla a lot. Tesla is down this week somewhere. I think the lowest was six twenty five a share. Okay. Their high last year was eleven hundred a share. And when he started this Twitter thing, it was around nine hundred a share.
3: So we're talking six hundred and twenty five a share, not six dollars and twenty five. No, no, six hundred. Okay, 620, $625.
4: So uh, forgive me, I do not understand all the details of like the financials, but I do know what they what they call them.
3: <laughs> They're called so, losses, uh, I think.
4: No, no, that's losses, definitely. <laughs> but that means that he had leveraged a certain amount of his shares in Tesla to cover a margin loan for the Twitter purchase. Yes. Well, this was upsetting Tesla you know shareholders and Tesla people. Um, and so and his antics on Twitter were making the stock go down, which made them even more antsy.
3: But Mustafridi so uh, made a the guy who has the ultimate margin loan on on Tesla, Bill Gates, quite happy.
4: Sorry. Yes, because he's, he's going to short them. <laughs> he just made a whole crap ton of money. <laughs> but but the point is that um, the he, I'm guessing, and I, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm guessing because what's happened the last few days, he got a lot quieter on Twitter. He's still, uh, as I say, shite posting, but not as much. And um, he got... This is after he like really started uh, Tesla, like boycott Tesla was trending like three or four days ago. Never Tesla was trending. People tagging Tesla saying now they will never buy a Tesla because of Elon Musk. Suddenly he got a lot more quiet and he's taken the margin loan out of Tesla and he is going to cover 33 billion of the loan now, as opposed to Tesla covering, I think originally Tesla was covering around 12 billion or so the margin loans against the stock. Um, so he, he got rid of 6.5 of that um, a few weeks ago, and now he got rid of the rest of that. I don't know if it's completely down to nothing for the Tesla margin, but it is, uh, it's still mostly Tesla is not now footing the margin loan for, the, for Twitter. But now he has to get more backers. The question really should be for people, if you leveraged your stock for a buyout of a company at 58 a share when your stock was 900 a share, and the company stock dropped to 30-something, even in the 20s at one point. And your leverage stock dropped to 625.
3: So why, it dropped almost not, by a third.
4: Yeah. So he's lost. He literally, the last time I looked was a couple of days ago. He has lost $60 billion <laughs> of worth in the last two weeks. So why would you not take the billion-dollar walk away if this was a
3: business deal? Well, that's what I was saying two weeks ago. That would be a smartest move.
4: Yeah, if like, seriously. Yeah, if he was doing this for business reasons, he would walk away. A billion dollars is cheap compared to what he's going to lose buying Twitter at 58 a share um, when it's worth 30 something on his lot because of his actions.
3: Okay, so this isn't a smart business play and Musk may be a whole bunch of things, but he's proven to be a fairly adept business person, has he not?
0: I
4: don't know if that's completely true. He's a lot of marketing and flow.
3: I mean, he's he's having he's having a, like, Kanye-level meltdown right now.
4: Ah, uh, different, it though. Would, it, Con- seems, it would seem. Kanye has a mental health issue. He's is bipolar. Uh, well, you, you think Elon does? <laughs> no, no, I don't. I think pers- he has a personality disorder, which is a bit different. But bipolar is a chemical imbalance that you can't control without help of chemistry, right, with medications. Uh, he has what I believe, and this is me personally, just people like this in my life, it's a personality disorder, which is not is not a mental health, you know, you can't change it with medications. It's very hard to change it at all. Trust so the can point try. you can try, but but most people that have personality disorders, it's very difficult for it to change. The the point being though, it's not being an expert in that, just going on personal experience of people who had personality disorders diagnosed, um, it's not a buy for Twitter and business. So people need to look into who's backing this. Why they're giving him money and what they represent if they want to see what
3: he's really doing? Okay, we have time for just one one quick touch on one more story. Um, this one this one actually affects all of us. Um, we're moving into the midterms, um, November uh, 2022, and um, Meta, the uh, holding company that is Facebook at all, um, has uh, well. They've had some experience in election cycles and advertising <laughs> and problems. Okay, I'm being so I'm being so polite. Um, they really, really screwed the pooch on advertising through and on election advertising a couple of times. It, bad, terrible mistakes, and they've been tagged with it. And um, you know, publicly pulled mail culpas. It was our fault. We made mistakes. And you know, uh, for the very least, they've at least admitted being in the wrong at times they say they're going to try to be more transparent combating uh, misinformation is a uh, almost impossible Herculean um, Sisyphusian uh, task um, but they're going to try to be more uh, transparent they've uh, discussed the Facebook open research and transparency tool um, and a uh, 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 yeah, uh, they're going to uh, be targeting ads around social issues, electoral issues, and then in general political issues, um, hoping to um, well, basically let users know why an ad exists, um, who's behind the ad, um, and uh, other information that they can uh, they can they, they, they can give out. Um, Users, consumers will be able to see um, where and why the advertiser is targeting users, the number of people who are being targeted, um, percentage of an ad spend on social, political, or electoral ads, um, whether a page is using um, custom or use lookalike audiences, um, and yeah, a lot, um, a lot what of do
4: you this think? is already a lot of this is already available. Um, so I'm not sure I guess they're adding more details, because I can already look up what ads they use who they targeted, generally speaking. So it looks like they're just going to give you more details at that level. It is funny, though, that this came out the same week that they announced that the, um, I believe of DC, but it could be just the country, uh, sues Mark Zuckerberg for failing to protect millions of users data misleading privacy practices. He enabled uh, Cambridge Analytica, they're accusing him of, to get all that data on people used in the 2016 election, um, through something called the personality quiz, which I bet you remember those popping up. I do. Um, yeah, and so uh, that app's developer sold that data to Cambridge Analytica, but uh, Zuckerberg allowed that app to be on the platform.
3: Apparently, so accusing I him directly. A Bidonia or John Lennon? I wasn't sure which. <laughs>
4: Different, though, than them usually just suing Facebook, they're actually holding him directly accountable.
3: Okay. He is is the number one shareholder in pretty much everything that is meta.
4: No, no, I mean that he directly made decisions that allowed this to occur.
3: Probably very like Not- did, too, I eh?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This isn't like Facebook made these decisions and he's the CEO. They're saying that Zuckerberg directly made decisions about Cambridge Analytica to get data will, on users.
3: Will more transparency prevent another, trans- uh, another transfer of information like Cambridge Analytica?
4: No, but but what it does do is it puts them more in the spotlight. With The, the Facebook whistleblower that came out this year said that they deliberately didn't... <sighs> Um, take action against accounts that you were violating in terms of service because they, uh, in the political realm, especially when they were extremist accounts, um, from the organization of um, extremists on the platform that they allowed to occur, these kind of things, it puts them in such a spotlight. It tends to be the lawyer screaming at you, you better not do this because um, we can't protect you at some point. It's really where I think it comes down to. If you've ever been in one of those meetings with lawyers screaming about what you can and not, cannot do.
3: Um, yeah, different context, but yes.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I just mean, with like companies, I didn't call it, was, I've like, it court. <laughs> yeah. I've been in millions of companies where the lawyers are like, um, oh, no, you cannot do that. And uh, not me specifically, I just mean the company. I, mean, I, uh, I,
3: I work with major corporations, I get this exactly. Time. I,
4: exactly. So, so in the past, they were operating under the radar, under the um, on the download, right? People didn't know what was going on in the platform. Most people didn't understand the platform. They didn't know how all this works. You know, people like you and I do because we're in the industry, but 95% of people out there don't. So they're being more and more pressured to show transparency because they have been found in such violation because of the whistleblowers, because of their participation in 2016. So, so I, I think it'll, it'll cause them to do less just because they're in such a spotlight right now. Plus they're under a congressional review um, you know, it could lead to the decision of their company at some point if they're not um, if they don't pull back.
3: It would be lovely to see facebook and, and other social media platforms as a useful political environment. um people people have the right to talk about stuff they they should, but pushing misinformation, disinformation, and being a uh, platform for um for uh, f- for how does how how's the right way to say this um less um favorable uh enemy interests um yeah being a (laughs) a platform for people who really want to harm our society is probably not a uh beneficial way to move forward okay we've gone full clock we gotta we gotta get out of the studio because there's another uh there's another group of people coming up, coming in right after us. So on behalf of Christine Schackinger from uh, Sites Without Walls, this is Jim Hedger from Always Media. You've been listening to Webcology on WMR.fm. It's the 26th of May, 2022. Be well, rank well, be kind to each other, especially on social media. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.
2: Express in this wmr.fm program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of wmr.fm any rebroadcast republication or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited sick of being upsold at gyms